Hello, and welcome to a Special Hope Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Brody. When my son was young and I was in the throes of autism and grief, I found an ebook called Speechless, Finding God's Grace in My Son's Autism, written by Sandra Peoples. For the first time, I felt truly seen. Someone else was living the same life I was living, with all the same questions and fears. But Sandra's writing also had a sense of awe about it. She helped me to see that there was purpose in disability, that God had a plan for my son. A few years later, I was at a ministry wives retreat. I didn't realize Sandra was also a pastor's wife at the time, and she was at the same retreat. It was spa night, and Jamberry Nails was new, and so we were all getting our nails done. While I was at the table, someone behind me said, I heard you have a son with autism too. I couldn't turn around to see her, so we just started talking without being face-to-face for a little while. When my nails were done and I turned around, I recognized her name on the badge she was wearing. It was so exciting to get to meet Sandra in person. We've been friends ever since, and we have been encouragers in each other's journeys as special needs parents, both of us raising a son with autism. It is my pleasure to introduce her to you in today's episode as we discuss self-care as parents and how churches can help. Sandra is one of the leading voices in the special needs community. She is the author of three books, including her most recent release, Unexpected Blessings, The Joys and Possibilities of Life in a Special Needs Family. Sandra is currently a PhD student at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in the area of family ministry with an emphasis on inclusion for special needs families. Sandra serves the Southern Baptists of Texas Convention as their special needs ministry consultant, helping churches around the state start and strengthen their disability ministries. She also teaches a disability ministry cohort through Gospel-Centered Family. Sandra is a monthly co-host for Key Ministry, the podcast, where she will share her perspective on family aspects of disability ministry and inclusion. She and her friend Tiffany Crow also host All Access, a yearly conference held in February in the Houston area for ministry leaders and volunteers. Please check out the show notes page for all the links to these amazing resources. Now let's get to our conversation. Hi, Sandra. Welcome to A Special Hope. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad that we're connecting this way. I'm super excited to talk about self-care, and you've got some great encouragement for families. So um, tell me about your story, how special needs affects your family and your life, what led you to be a strong voice in the self-care discussion among special needs families. Tell me more about about who you are and, and how you've kind of gotten to be a voice in this community. Okay, that's a great question because for me, it started the day I was born because I have an older sister who has Down syndrome. And so I have never not been in a special needs family. So we started out, we're just 14 months apart. We went to school together and we grew up together and we did um, lots of things together. And, And one of the reasons that my parents had us so close in age was that so we could encourage each other and support each other as we um, grew up. And then in 2010, my three-year-old James was diagnosed with autism. And in, and then we didn't have, you know, levels one, two, and three that are commonly referred to now, but right. he is level three. And so he is functionally nonverbal, which means he does have some language skills, but not a lot. Like 
If you mm-hmm. ask him, do you want pizza? He can say yes. But if you say, what did you have for lunch today? He can't pull up pizza. Like he can't right. pull that word up. And so that's kind of our lives. And right now we live um, outside of Houston where my husband is a pastor and uh, we have an older son, David. And so I have a, a typical kid and then a kid with disabilities. And then one of the reasons we moved to Houston a few years ago was to live closer to my parents and my sister. My sister lives at home with my parents. And so now we're able to provide a little more care for her and they're able to help us with James, which has really been a blessing. Yeah. How has that impacted your life as far as recognizing self-care? You know, so growing up with your family and having an older sister with Down syndrome, did you see your parents practicing this? Did you, you know, were you given a good foundation for it? Or is it something that you learned on your own after your son was diagnosed? How did you come to kind of recognize the need for self-care and what it is and how to do it well? Yeah, Uh, I think that, that it's made the most impact on me lately because my parents are in their late sixties and my sister still lives at home with them. (laughs) And so I think as I look at our situation, it could be very similar. Uh, James will likely live with us uh, for decades. And so I just thought, you know, my parents had to really take good care of themselves health wise Um, spiritually, mentally (laughs) over the years so they could continue to be strong for her. And so I'm thinking, what can I do now to make myself stronger in the future and build community around myself um, so that when I need help, I'm able to ask for it and and receive it? I think that's a good part of self-care is realizing your limitations. And so Seeing where they are now, knowing that that is my future, and then looking back at what they did when they were my age to build up to this has really kind of set the foundation for that. Right. And self-care, you know, every parent, especially moms, right, we're, you know, we're we're looking at, uh, it's important for dads too, but especially for moms who are so emotionally attached to you know, everything, every aspect of our lives, everything's kind of jumbled up together in there. We can't really separate out what happened this morning from what's happening now. It's kind of all affecting us all at the same time. Um, So for moms, especially, um, you know, recognizing that self-care is important, but it's different for moms with kids with special needs and disabilities. Um, So tell us more about what are the differences between, because every parent needs to be taking care of themselves. Every mom should be you know, doing things. And, and what we always hear is take a hot bath, right. take a nap. Yeah. So, but those things are going to look very different in the life of a special needs mom. Right. So tell us about the differences there. Yeah. I think, you know, like the advice, take a hot bath or sleep more, you know, James, uh, he's in a season right now of sleeping well, but that doesn't always happen. Either he'll stay up really late or he'll get up at two or three in the morning and he's up for the rest of the day. And so oh it's very, that's the challenge. It's not, you know, oh, just go to bed earlier or take a nap. Um, that just doesn't work <laughs> in situations right. like ours because there's so much out of our control. And so, yeah. and I can't take a bath because I can't take my eyes off him. And so if I'm the only one home or anything like, you know, there's days I don't even get a shower, much less get that relaxing time of a bath. And so when I think of self-care, I'm thinking more of um, 
setting routines for your family that make life easier and um, realizing your own limitations and and being healthy enough to continue to make doctor's appointments for yourself when you need them, asking for um, just being honest about maybe the symptoms that you're feeling. Sometimes we can put our own needs on the back burner. And if we do that yeah. long enough, then that that's unhealthy for us and for our families. And so um, each time right. I get sick, <laughs> I've noticed this pattern, each time I get sick, it turns into like pleurisy. And so I was researching pleurisy and you only really, now I don't have a medical degree, but <laughs> from what I can tell <laughs> on the internet, pleurisy is what you get when you ignore your symptoms for too long and you don't treat them. And so I'm like, so this is in, in our day and age, completely preventable. And so I need to be paying more attention to my body in those early stages and get the help that I need. So it doesn't end up in this you know, mom has to be in bed for three days kind of situation. Right. Yes. And, you know, sometimes we, we get so stuck in survival mode and making sure that everyone else has everything that they need, you know, and, and keeping our kids safe, keeping them healthy, you know, making sure that we've got the therapy appointments and the doctor appointments for our kids and, you know, play dates or whatever, you know, we, we're so focused on, on keeping the, the family going that we, and it's not, it's not intentional that we're not paying attention to ourselves. It just kind of happens. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden we, we're not feeling good and we're not sure why, and we get sick or we have a headache and the stress builds up. And yeah. for me, when stress builds up, um, I get anxiety and my anxiety comes out in physical ways. Mm. It's not just thoughts. So like I get bad migraines, my body just kind of starts to shut down. And thankfully, over the years, I've learned to recognize the symptoms of anxiety because before I'm like, we got to go to the ER, yeah. something bad is happening. Yeah. You know, I can't feel my leg. Right. What's happening? There's, that's not normal. And even going so far as to see like the best specialists in Georgetown in DC, and DC, and they said, it's anxiety. I'm like, well, clearly you're stupid and you know nothing <laughs> because I'm having a heart attack and I don't care what your little, you know, MRI says, but right. it's, that's what this was. And you just, you're missing it. Yeah. But truly over the years, I've learned to recognize those symptoms, but a lot of that will build up over time when I'm just, I'm just going, you know, I'm just on the go and I'm constantly on edge, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. And so learning to recognize those things, and it's it's just so hard to kind of take a step back, say, okay, how can I how can I do this? Because making the doctor appointment for yourself that can be very difficult too. Who's going to watch my kid? Right. You know, especially for single parents. Yeah. So you know, what suggestions do you have for for parents like in recognizing their symptoms or in recognizing the need for self care and what are steps that they can take? What's the most, is there an important step? Is there like a number one, definitely do this first? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think a, a big part of it is knowing yourself and listening to your body. And that has grown in me <laughs> over the years where I try to just ignore symptoms, ignore them until they go away. And I think, no, my body is sending me a message. This pain is sending me a message or uh, whatever it is that I am dealing with. And so I have to really take time to say, okay, what is my body trying to tell me? 
And how can I um, listen to it and care for it, especially thinking long term and how I need to um, be as healthy and strong as possible for as long as possible. You know, I recently turned 40. <laughs> so it's kind of a, <laughs> a wake up call to say, you know, the things that your body can do in your 20s, you can't always do in your 40s. <laughs> so Not so much. <laughs> the you ignore or the, you know, you you can sleep the whole night through without getting up for any reason. That's, I mean, the good old days, you know, when you, you don't right. even realize how good yes. you have it. And, and so the number one thing that I am learning right now, specifically to medical care and mental care is what is my body or my mind telling me and how can I meet that need before it gets to kind of an emergency situation? Right. And you've talked before, too, about eliminating decision fatigue. And that that's, you know, that's a super important step also, you know, so after recognizing our symptoms and knowing, okay, we need to get to, you know, we need to be taking care of ourselves in a, in a medical way, in an, in a, in an emotional way, but, uh, you know, mentally, tell me more about, about that step. Um, after, after we've recognized things, what are the steps that we can start to take after that? Well, decision fatigue for us has been hugely helpful. And so um, I I feel like there are five phases to special needs parenting. And phase two is um, rebuilding the rhythms and, and setting those rhythms and kind of rebuilding things that work for your family. And I have found that decision fatigue is a huge part of that. And so most people make 35,000 decisions <laughs> in a single day. Wow. And so you, you can realize that fatigue when it gets to the end of the day and you're like, what are we having for dinner? I don't care. What do you want? What are, you know, like, <laughs> that's when you know, that's what we call decision fatigue. You have made so many decisions throughout the day that by the end of it, you are just done. And so the solution for that is to eliminate as many decisions as you can. So first you make the best decision and then you make that a rhythm. And so um, instead, when your alarm goes off in the morning, you don't have to think, oh, do I want to hit snooze or do I want to get up? No, you just do. <laughs> you just get up. <laughs> or if you're a snooze, if, if snoozing is your thing, then you say, okay, every day I'm going to snooze for 10 more minutes and then I'm going to get up. But whatever decision is right make that decision and then stick with it. And so like today is Monday that we're talking and recording. And so this morning I put on my Monday uniform. Like I just put on the shirt that I wear every Monday. So I don't have to stand in front of my closet and say, what am I going to wear today? Because Monday is the day <laughs> of huge decisions for me. And so if I can eliminate that one decision then I can move on and make all the other decisions easier. So I need to know what this uniform looks like. I well, need to know what are you wearing? <laughs> well, it's a shirt that says, um, what does it say? Mascara, coffee, hustle, mascara, coffee. You know, like we're going to hit this oh, day. Yeah. We're going to hit it hard. And so that's my usual Monday uniform. Today I'm wearing my the long sleeve version that's just like a white, long sleeve t-shirt because it's cold for us today. Yeah. And so, um, but those oh, are my tell two. Me about the cold you, know. you have in Texas. Tell me all about it. It is 40 degrees today in Houston. Thank you very much. 
No, 40 degrees. We don't even have, like, David and I went to Arkansas recently. He had one long sleeve shirt. That's all he owned. And so we had to go (laughs) the night before buy him more than one long sleeve shirt. Did you get rid of all your long sleeve stuff when you moved from Pennsylvania to Texas? Yeah, Lee and I didn't, but David has grown so much. That, oh well, there is know, that. Yeah. Anything. I mean, yeah, and being the firstborn, them. there's no hand me downs. So yeah, there I is, know. There, okay, I, I'll give you a pass on that. Thank I'll give you. you a pass. Thank you. That's okay. Yes, decisions, eliminating decisions. So you've got your 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 uniform down. Do you already know what you're having for dinner tonight too? Yes, I do because we have what like I have a menu board, and so I have a theme for each day. And Monday is Asian food, and so. um so at least that decision has already been made. And then I can say, oh, we're going to have stir fry or we're going to have something from the freezer. We have a lot of Asian freezer, like from Trader Joe's. They have great orange chicken and teriyaki steak and different things. And so um, on Mondays, especially, I try to make it as easy as possible. And then I know that tomorrow night we're having Mexican food. <laughs> Usually yes, Taco, Taco Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. That's what we do too. Yeah. We do Taco Tuesday in our house. Yep. Yep. And so for us, every day has a theme. And then I just kind of pick from our favorite things that go along with that theme. Um, and I know lots of people do it lots of different ways. You know, they, some people set a menu for the whole month and then they just check it off. And, but it helps me when I'm grocery shopping because the decisions are already made. It helps in the morning when I think, okay, what meat do I need to lay out? If I need to thaw something out, then I think, oh, well, this is what we're having. And so this is what I'm going to lay out. And so, it, and it helps with chore days. You know, you know what day you're going to clean the bathroom or you know what day you're going to do the laundry and, and you don't have to think about that. You just kind of put it on autopilot. Right. So was there a specific day or like a period of time, maybe a week or so, where you're like, I'm going to come up with all the decisions I need to eliminate, and I'm going to make the decisions now, and then I'm going to stick with them? Or was it more like organic? And every day when something came up, you're like, hmm, I can I can get rid of this decision in this way. And then the next day you follow that. I'm thinking like, I love planning and, you know, writing everything out but it, you know, it takes time to do all of that. So I'm thinking, okay, so do we have like one day that's like big decision day? And then as things come up, you kind of add to it? Or how? Do, I guess I'm asking, how did you make all of those decisions to eliminate the decisions? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Like some people, they make a journal of how many decisions they make during the day or they pay attention to those rhythms. For us, it happened a little more organically because I I said, what's causing me the most stress this week? What solutions can I come up for that with for to handle that stress? And then maybe two weeks later, something else is causing me the most stress because that isn't anymore. Um, right. And so and then some things like we tend toward minimalism at our house, so we don't have a lot of stuff. And that happened because we moved. <laughs> and so that's a right. great catalyst to say, <laughs> do we need these books? Do we need these kitchen supplies? Like we moved about a year and a half ago and I went from, I don't know, I had like 15, 13, 15 drawers in my last kitchen. Like it was the biggest kitchen I've ever had. And then the house that we're in now has three drawers. And so that means I can't keep 
like chopsticks that we never use or a melon baller or like, <laughs> you know, do I need these things? And so getting rid right. of some of those things by necessity made life easier because now I can open the drawer and I know exactly what's in it. Um, David can unload the dishwasher and it's easy for him because he's not, there's not 15 choices for this thing to go right. into. And, and so even yeah. just either noticing it in your own life and saying, okay, I'm going to make a decision about this or something being the catalyst for that, like a move or when school's going to be out, maybe you take a, a week or two in May to say, okay, what can I do now that's going to make the summer go easier or right. do it at the, in August to make the school year easier when you start that. And so I think there's just natural triggers for us that, mm -hmm. that we can stop and say, okay, what can I do now that's going to make this next season easier? Right. And what I'm hearing you say a lot is being aware of what's happening you know, to, to try really hard to be super cognizant of your day and the things that you're doing during your day, you know, being aware of all of the decisions that you're making and making a concerted effort to try to pare down a little bit to take the stress out. But you have to acknowledge that that there's an issue to begin with. Right. So, you know, I'm hearing you say a lot, you know, I just recognize that we need, you know, this is a busy week. What do I need to do? So it starts with awareness. And what are you doing today? Look at your calendar. We started with doing the iPhone calendar and we created a calendar for every kid. And I have my own calendar that's just for me that only I see that no one else needs to know about. Um, I also have a calendar for me that I share with my husband only. So for instance, he knows when I'm recording a podcast, so he knows not to call me or, you know, make plans that like to take me out to lunch or whatever. You know, he knows not to interrupt me during those times or he knows when I'm doing piano lessons and he has his own calendar for his own personal use that I don't need to know anything about. But we decided we both teach piano lessons, you know, kind of extra. And so I need to know when are you going to be gone? And if, you know, and if we have to reschedule a lesson, it gets put on the calendar and then it's automatically updated across all of our devices, Yeah, which is fantastic. I look at my calendar most every day. Usually, usually some, every now and again, I'm like, oh, I haven't looked at my calendar today. <laughs> I should probably do that. So I try to do it the night before to look at the next day. What do I have on my plate for tomorrow? And what do I need to do to prepare for that, you know, and if I know I've got an interview first thing in the morning and I know I need to, you know, prepare my my notes for that, I don't want to be doing it 10 minutes ahead of time and rushed because it stresses me out and then I'm late, you know, so I do it, you know, the night before or I get up when my alarm goes off and I get it done this morning. And I was so proud of myself because I did. I wasn't rushed to, you know, to be in this interview yeah. because I took the time ahead of time. So, but being aware of what is on our plate, what are all the things that are on our plate, you know, and what can we do to eliminate the decisions, you know, just to pare it down. Right. And that leads me to another question, which is, you know, sometimes we need help doing things and managing tasks and managing all, you know, juggling all the things that we have to do, you know, just juggling all the things, yeah. <laughs> so many things. And sometimes we need help. Sometimes we have a spouse, but not always, you know, even if we're married, sometimes they're not available, you know, when, when we need them because um, they have a job and they have schedules too. And so sometimes we need help and not everybody lives close to family. 
I feel like there's kind of this thing with special needs families, parents who, you know, they need help, but we don't, we don't really ask for help. We kind of just say, no, I've got it. You know, I can take care of it. I'll do it on my own. We're, we're kind of really bad yeah. at asking for help. Why do you think that is? And it, is this unique only to special needs families or um, or not? But even still, with special needs families who are bad at asking for help, how can we overcome that? Like, what's the issue there? And how can we get over that? Yeah, I think this is great. And, you know, there's another special needs family at our church, and she is great at asking for help. And so yes. I think of that. So I kind of look at, in my life, what what makes me not good at it? And so because I'm a special needs sibling, as I was growing up, I tried to not be high maintenance for my parents. And so mm. I got good grades. I didn't rebel in any way. I followed their rules. And so I tried to be as independent as possible. And so even growing up, I was bad at asking for help. And so I have noticed that pattern in my life and tried to really pray through, is this a healthy path? Just because you've done it your whole life doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Like it could be an unhealthy pattern that you've always right. been doing. And so yeah. As I've looked at this in my own life, I've thought it really comes down to, for me, pride. Like I want to be seen as having it all together. I want to be seen as capable. And part of that is being a pastor's wife. You know, I think sometimes we're looked to as examples in our churches, whether good <laughs> or bad. And I always wanted right. to say, okay, I, I, when when other wives and moms look to me, what do they see? I want them to see somebody who has it all together and who is doing a good job and who can do all this, you know, with one hand tied behind her back kind of thing. <laughs> and so right. um, for me, it really came down to pride. And and I had to ask the Holy Spirit to really root that out in me and to um, to help me just think, okay, if, if I'm the answer to every question, if I am the solution to every problem, then my family won't look to Christ mm. when it's time to look to Christ, because they'll always be looking to me to fix every problem and solve every issue. And so I had to, to really look at myself and say, are, are you doing too much? Are you being too much? And then are you blocking other people from participating in life with you? And so like a couple of weeks ago, David, our older son, had a migraine very similar to the migraines that you have, where it was like stroke-like symptoms. And yes. it really- So scary. It's so scary, especially because my younger sister had a stroke just about a year and a half ago. And um, right. so we're very aware of the signs and all that. And so, you know, my husband, Lee, took David to the ER and I stayed home with James. And then the next day at church- People were saying, oh, you know, I, I would have helped, but I didn't know how, or I didn't know if James would be comfortable with me, or I didn't. And I thought, you know, part of that is on me <laughs> to, to let people into our lives enough that when an emergency situation happens, they do feel comfortable saying, can I help? Can I come over and hang out with James? Or can I... Do But if I keep always talking about the difficulties of being with James or the attention that he requires, then then people, right. our, our friends of typical kids, they don't think they can handle it. And so, right. um, and I do right. have families like 
I mentioned we live close to my parents and they're a huge help. And then there's another family in the church who would drop everything to help us, just like we would drop everything to help them. But, you know, once I thought, okay, this is really about pride and I need to work on that in my own life and then open our lives up to more people knowing us, being in our house, being familiar with our rhythms and so that we can get more help in times that we need it. Yeah. And I think there's a struggle there as well that it's kind of like a catch-22 because if you open yourself up and you're transparent and, and you make yourself vulnerable and let people know you know, we're struggling with this or, or we need help in this way. And whether that's in an emergency situation, um, which in that case, I feel like it's far more understandable than it would be if it's just, I need a break from being mom yeah. for a little, like, you know, an hour, just something, you know, asking for help in, in, in different ways that aren't required for emergency things. But there's a struggle in being transparent and being vulnerable because we want to model that. That's how we build community. That's how we, we truly get to be part of each other's lives is when we're, we're open and ah, gosh, I sound like the bachelor now when we're open and honest <laughs> with each other. <laughs> When you kind of open yourself up to that, because it can be scary to do that, especially if you've been hurt in the past. Yeah. And so there's, I feel like there's this struggle, you know, even, even for me, I, you know, I'm extroverted, I'm like super out there and I kind of just let people know how, how it is. And I don't expect pity. I'm not expecting anything. I'm just, I just want, I just want to show people that it's okay to let other people know that you're struggling. Yeah. But then sometimes when you do that, that, you know, it's like, oh, you know, she's being real and she's being honest. And, you know, that's that's a good thing. But then you can be viewed as being weak and you're not able to handle it. And then and then there's kind of like this weird, you know, oh, I feel so sorry. And that's not what we that's not what we want. So we want to be vulnerable. We we want to be able to put aside our pride and, and ask for help when we need it and recognize that we need it. And and the body of Christ is there specifically to serve each other. Like, this is what they're there for. And so we can do that. But then at the same time, it's like, oh, did I go too far? You know, am I am I showing too much emotion? Am I crying too much on people's shoulders? You yeah. know, like, how do you think that there's a, a good balance there for that? And and this is especially true for, for pastor's wives as well, who also have that additional role of, of leadership in their church. But just for special needs parents in, in general, do you think that, that there's a balance, a way to, to kind of balance that out? Yeah, I think part of it is knowing yourself and just, you know, you know that your tendency could be this. I know that my tendency is different um, and say, okay, you know, and, and pray <laughs> and ask God to say, what what is at the root of this? And And how can I allow the Holy Spirit to speak into my life and show me the correct or best balance in oversharing or blocking people out or exhausting everybody around me because I'm asking for too much help or not asking for any help and exhausting myself. Um, right. And so, you know, God, just really knowing ourselves and how God wired us and then just just realizing what may not work in our lives that, that has for, you know, like for me saying, okay, ignoring my own needs and ignoring 
the ways that I need help, that doesn't work for me anymore. And so how can I allow more people into our lives to create this community and to receive help when I need it. And you don't want it to get to a crisis situation. And and then you're looking around for help. And then you're saying, why is nobody showing up for me? Mm -hmm. And then you realize it's because I've, I haven't let them know that they could. <laughs> like I've, right. always, I've always kept them at arm's length. And so there's a great book by Erin Davis. It's a few years old. It's called Connected. And she said, if, if no, and this is, she wasn't speaking specifically to pastor's wives, but I think this is especially true. She said, if nobody has seen you without your mask on, your I'm fine mask, that's a problem. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. you've got to take that mask off and let people know the real you. and. And sometimes that does mean rejection or hurt. I mean, we've all been, um, you know, we talk about church members say, oh, I've been hurt by the church. And I want to say, well, nobody's been hurt by the church more than a pastor's wife or a minister's family. Like we know way more than than the average church member and we keep showing up. And so um, I know it's hard. I know in social media and and the people you know in real life, all these things add kind of complex layers to that. But I really think the Holy Spirit is just faithful to speak into your specific situation and help you realize um, things that you've been blind to and that you could open yourself up to and and really <laughs> more bachelor ta- talk, I guess. <laughs> you know, just open your, yourself up to um, taking risk and trusting people and trusting that God ultimately is the provider. Right. And are there ways that churches can help parents? You know, I, we're talking in the, as far as the church community, you know, what, what are ways that people at church can help parents with, with their own self-care? Are there ways that they can encourage it? Are there ways that they can practically you know, physically, tangibly help, you know, when a parent recognizes, okay, I, you know, I need help when they ask for help, when they, you know, kind of put it out there that this is what we're going through, when they realize I need to take better care of myself. Here are some decisions I've made about this. Here's what I need to do. And I'm thinking especially for for families who may be in a place where they're not close to their their own family, because a lot of times the family unit kind of comes together, but not always, right? you know, we, we, know, we know that too. So what are some ways that our church communities can be helping our families? Well, one of the things I like to say is that special needs ministry is for the whole family. It's not just for the family member with special needs or disabilities. And so right. when I was growing up as a special needs sibling, the church was kind of my um, safe place, like the place where I felt most myself. They encouraged me to share my gifts. I wasn't just Sybil's sister at church. I really, that's where I grew into who God planned for me to be. And so when I look at our church and they see David and they, they celebrate his giftedness, he's, he's really into acting. And so there's some ladies at church who love to come see his plays. And then, um, so just, just this shift in mindset that, uh, special needs ministry isn't just for the person with disabilities, but that churches are really can come alongside the entire family and strengthen and encourage them. And one of the very tangible ways that our church does that is to do respite nights once every other month. So about six times a year where the church is open on a Saturday night to special needs families. 
And then the kids with disabilities and their typical siblings can come and there's activities that they do and, and have all kinds of fun. And then uh, we as parents can do whatever we need to do. Sometimes that right. date night, but sometimes that's go to the grocery store by myself, especially for our right. single parents that we serve. In fact, we've even told our volunteers, whatever the parent tells you they're going to do, be excited. <laughs> like, right. like, don't say, what? You're going to waste the next three hours on Walmart and a nap? <laughs> you know, no. <laughs> like, yay, I'm so glad you get the opportunity to do this. And Yes, um, I have heard of a couple who they dropped off their kids and they said, what are you going to do? And they, said, and they ended up going to Target, but they didn't go in. They, <laughs> they went to the Target parking lot and they just sat in the parking lot and talked oh. because it had been forever since, I, you know, maybe the original goal was to shop at Target or get some stuff done, but yeah. they, they kind of just sat there and it was just, I can't remember who told me that. It's in one of my other uh, talks, but they just, they just sat and they just talked together yeah. and, you know, yeah, what are you going to do? We're going to go see a movie because the last movie I saw was you know, while you were sleeping, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, eons old. I, I can't, you know, Top Gun. That's the last movie we saw. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever it is that they're going to say that they're going to do like, that is awesome. I am so happy that you get to do that. Please enjoy your time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and for churches, it's a way to serve the families that they have, but it's also a way to serve the community and um, to just not expect anything back, but just say we're here because we love you and we're a safe place for your kids. And and we want to encourage you. And so, I, you know, it benefits the families, but it benefits the churches, too. Right, right. And so some of our listeners, they may or may not have access to that kind of, you know, tangible thing. And, and they may be struggling, looking for a church that's, that's able to serve their family and to serve their child. And so for those families... I would like for you to know that that you're not alone in that and that there are also other ways to find community as well. And so, Sandra, you have a Facebook group that is specifically for special needs moms who want to focus on self-care. So tell me more about that group. What do you share in there? What do you talk about? What are some stories of moms that have been encouraged uh, by that group. Sometimes finding a virtual community is the best we can do, and that's okay, but it does exist. So tell us more about that group. Yeah, I started it oh, a couple of years ago because I needed it. <laughs> and so all my yeah. favorite projects are, what do I need? And if I need it, somebody else needs it. And so let's open it up for more people. And so um, the rhythm that we're kind of in now as a group is each Monday, I put up an image and I say, what are your goals for the week? How can we cheer you on and how can we encourage you? Because the those who study goal setting say that if you say them out loud or if you write them down, you're more likely to achieve them. And then if you feel a sense of community in those goals, then mm -hmm. you're even more likely to achieve it. And so, you know, and this isn't about losing 10 pounds or, you know, we're not talking about goals like that. Like my goal a couple of weeks ago was to organize the medicine cabinet. <laughs> and so right. say, Look, if I can get this air, just this cabinet more organized and under control, it will give me a broader sense of peace for our family. Because if somebody gets sick, I know what we have. I know how to get to it quickly. And so those are the kind of things or, you know, I need to call and make this appointment for my kiddo or for myself. I mean, what I mean, it can be 
the biggest thing or the smallest thing. And we're just there to say, oh, yeah, that's awesome. And we're really proud of you for doing that and and following up a couple days I love Motivation Mondays. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. And then on Fridays, we share prayer requests because um, sharing what's heavy on our hearts and our minds gives us a chance to kind of release that and to say, okay, I'm going to turn this over to God and I'm going to turn this over to people who care for me and are also going to lift up what what's heavy on happening in my life. And so that's what we do on Fridays. So those are the specific rhythms that we have. And then throughout the week, we're just really there to encourage. Like I share, if I read an article or I read a book or, um, you know, something's been really successful for me, I try to share that in the group. And then other people are sharing as well, podcast that we listen to, blog posts that we read, anything like that, that that we benefit from that we think others could benefit from. And so it's really been right. um, just a way to say, man, you're not the only one who is yes. struggling to get through just the normalcy of a week, much less crazy weeks. I mean, just, we just look at say, okay, what's coming up for us this week and how can we encourage and support each other? Right. And I love being a part of that group and seeing that, you know, throughout the week, mom's coming in saying, okay, I need help with this, or I'm struggling with this, and I'm just super overwhelmed. And the encouragement of the other moms to come in saying, I know exactly how you feel, and you can do this, and, you know, here's something that maybe would would be helpful for you. But also, you know, there are times when people come in, they're like, I got a 20 minute nap today, (laughs) and I'm so excited. And everyone's like, you know, Yay, Yay. you know, uh, posting all the all the gifts and everything. Um, So much fun. So I kind of love I love gifts. Actually, I pronounce it GIFs, but I get made fun of for that because it was supposed to be pronounced GIFs. But that's a different conversation anyway. So that is um, one of your spiritual giftedness things, though. You do (laughs) have a knack for finding the most appropriate GIF slash GIF for a situation. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. But it's just so much fun. It's just a great group to be a part of. It just feels, you know, you you know that it's a safe place to go where you can say, okay, I know other people are going through this. And, you know, what you said is important too. It was something that you needed. And so you figured someone else would need it too. Yeah. And so we can do that in our own lives. You know, when we are saying to ourselves, oh, you know, I am just really struggling to to get this done, this specific thing, you know, something I have to do every single day, but it's still just a chore. It's a task. It's hard to go in and share something like that. And then to be encouraged by other people because they're going through it too, Yeah, which is so wonderful. So I love that, that Facebook group. Um, it's just so encouraging to be a part of that community. Sandra, tell me about the special hope that you have as a special needs mom, as a pastor's wife, out from what whichever perspective you like to address it, but tell me about the special hope that you have um, in your life, you know, through your faith and, and in your journey um, with this kind of plan B life, as you call it. Yeah, that's a great question. I really want people to realize that what feels like pain or a struggle, especially when we get that diagnosis for our kiddos or even for ourselves but that God has a purpose in that and that we will fulfill our purpose when we live it out. And so I mentioned earlier this idea of five phases of special needs parenting. 
And that's what that's what I keep returning to, because I think we're all in one of those five phases. And the fifth mm-hmm. phase is being able to give back, to reach out to others. And so, you know, you're doing that in this way through this podcast. I'm doing it through the Facebook group and through writing. Um, but we all kind of have this mission that God has laid out for us. And once we get to a place of being healthy and and seeing the joy in our special needs parenting life, as opposed to just the problems or the the pain or the exhaustion, once we work through that, then we can really see how God has orchestrated this from the beginning and how the purpose that he has for our lives wouldn't have happened unless we were in the situations that we were in, unless our kids were in the situations they're in, because there's a, a plan and a purpose for their lives as well. And and so right now, the thing I'm most passionate about is just helping special needs parents realize where they are in this kind of five phases of special needs parenting, and then helping them take the next steps so that they can um, let go of bitterness and anger and really see the joy mm-hmm. and the possibilities of, of the life that God has called them to. Yeah, that's such a hard thing to, to let go of, of bitterness. And, and especially when you see your child struggling so hard, you know, and, and I was telling you a little bit about Sam's struggles earlier, you know, it's just, it's heartbreaking as a parent to watch that and to, you know, I remember I asked my husband after a particularly difficult evening, and I'm just feeling all the things, you know, of, of what we just went through um, with trying to calm the son down who was just riddled with anxiety and, and, and frustration, you know, over his body and his mind not doing what he wants it to do. And through my tears, I looked at my husband and I said, God's still good, right? Yeah. <laughs> and And he, you know, he said, yes. But you could see, like, not that not that we ever question, we know that God is good, but right. it's like in the moment, it just, it's like, okay, I have to trust that it's there because right now it doesn't feel like right. it. Yes. For you know, sure. and that is, that's so difficult. And you have written, you've written so many great things. Tell us more about some of the books that you've written because you have such encouragement You've written a Bible study with with Lee, and you've you've got a new book that came out recently, and you've got an ebook that came out a long time ago. When that was the first one that I found, that's how I found you. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, tell me more about what are the resources that you have for special needs parents? Well, the most recent one is the book that you mentioned, Unexpected Blessings, and it came out last year in November. And it really helps take parents through those five phases that I mentioned. And so it talks about the grief we feel at the beginning. And then it talks about uh, rebuilding our faith foundation, how um, maybe there were some lies that we didn't know we were believing about God and that we realized during this time of uh, surprise and suffering And that's the best time to kind of root out (laughs) that false gospel message that maybe we were hanging on to. Right. Yeah. We talk about renewing relationships, just how how do I care for the typical siblings in my house? How do I try to be understanding of extended family members who aren't as supportive as they could be? And so I talk about that in the book. And then the end of it is sharing stories from people who have found their purpose and are living that out. And really, when I look back at at the first book that I wrote, I was kind of it's speechless, the one that you and I met each other 
on, that was yes. really based on that phase one of parenting and rebuilding the faith foundation. And then held mm -hmm. was more about because it's a Bible study. So um, how do I build a theology of disability and what does this mean for our lives now? And then this book puts all those phases together. And so even when I look back at that, I kind of think, wow, that really kind of followed a pattern. My writing has followed that pattern. And so right. it's interesting for people like you and me who've known each other for years to kind of have gone through these stages together in some ways and to get to where God yeah. has us now. And so that's a passion. I, I have started um, like this year, I'm releasing four Bible studies specifically for special needs parents that aren't about being a special needs parent, but they are like, there's one on the fruit of the spirit. Um, okay. So what does it mean for a special needs parent to grow in love and joy and peace and patience? Because sometimes the examples in other Bible studies, um, they don't always apply to us in this kind of long term way, you know, like right. I, like I was with a woman one time and she's like, well, as soon as we get through this hard time, I'll be able to find joy again. I was like, yeah, but <laughs> what if you don't get through this hard? Like you have to find joy in the midst of things, not only in their yes. resolution. And so um, I have the one on the fruit of the spirit, they're coming out through my Patreon page. And then there'll be three more this year, a study on Psalms from the life of David, the book of Philippians, and then women in scripture. And so I'm really excited about those because I hope that churches that are, that have special needs mom support groups or Bible studies, that they will continue to utilize these resources as an encouragement for the women that they serve. Absolutely. And I've read the books and I love them. <laughs> and I recommend them to to everyone. I have I have a whole shelf of all my special needs resources. And so I have uh, Unexpected Blessings and Health. Speechless was an ebook, but still it was so helpful when I was in that place of just total grief. And when I realized, okay, I'm I'm yeah. I'm in a season of depression and and a lot of it is is based on I was in survival mode for so long. And now that, you know, now that our life had finally kind of settled down where we were at the time, everything kind of caught up to me all at once. And and I didn't know how to handle things. And I went searching and I found speechless. And it was like you wrote down the words of my heart in that book. And it was it was so encouraging and so helpful. Yeah. Um, and and what I love about your writing is that you you give real life examples. Um, you give examples of the stories in the Bible. Um, you know to show us this is what these people faced in that time, and this is how it affected their faith and and what they did with their relationship with the Lord. And this is my real life example, and this is what God is doing in my life. And here's what you know, he can be doing in your life too. And here's how you can take that next step. So it's very, very encouraging and very practical and, and based on scripture. And so I highly, highly recommend those resources. So Sandra, thanks so much for being on the show and for sharing your heart with us. Self-care is such an important topic for parents and one that needs to be recognized by extended family and friends and even the church community to know how to be more patient with us and to better encourage us in our journey. So thank you so much for talking through this with us. I hope it'll be 
um, a good resource for parents and for churches alike. And I look forward to seeing you at Inclusion Teaching Live in a few months. Yes, That'll be I super know. exciting. I love our conversations, but time in person is even more fun. It'll be fun. So thanks so much again for joining us. This has been so great. Just a note about this episode. This was recorded in March of 2019, and in July of 2022, Sandra's sister, Sybil, passed away due to undiagnosed gallbladder cancer at the age of 44. Sandra mentioned Sybil several times in the episode, and we just wanted our listeners to be aware of this news. Our hearts are deeply grieved for Sandra and her family, but we praise God that Sybil is in the arms of her Savior, Jesus Christ, and they will all one day be reunited together. I'm your host, Sarah Brody, and this is A Special Hope. You can find our website at hopeinautism.com slash a special hope podcast. Also on Facebook and Instagram at a special hope podcast and on Twitter at a special hope pod. You can also email me at a special hope podcast at hopeinautism.com. I'd love to connect with you on social media and hear your comments. And if you're enjoying listening to a special hope, I would greatly appreciate it if you could give a five-star rating and give a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It goes a long way towards helping others find hope and encouragement. Thanks so much for listening today. Have a great week. Tell me something that you feel very passionate about that isn't that big of a deal to the rest of the world. Like it could be a pet peeve or something positive that you're passionate about, but other people aren't so much like, however you want to do with that. Just a, a little question. What's something that you are like, you don't understand. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, this question is actually hilarious to me because I don't, I don't know how into the Enneagram you are, but um, I am an Enneagram one and we are the reformers. Like that is our title. And so we, They say when an Enneagram one walks into a room, the first thing we notice is what's wrong. So so I feel like I'm constantly on a mid, like things bother me that never bother anybody else. And, you know, I'm always like, man, more people should be on board with this or more people should be thinking about this. And, um, and sometimes that changes kind of every day, but I really think my background as an editor, um, really pushes me to correct grammar and punctuation and mm-hmm. um which is is funny because even like even my husband who's a great preacher he's a great speaker and but he'll have facebook statuses that have mistakes in them and so like i'll take <gasps> him right no. after that and i'm like um can i log into your account and fix this and he's like yeah i mean you know, he's totally used to it but then it just reminds me that the whole world doesn't care as much about comma placement as i do you know right so it's very balancing you have no idea the impact that you have had in my life on comma placement <laughs> I'm not kidding. Every time I write and I'm about to use a comma, I think to myself, is this comma needed? Is this the right place for this comma? Does this comma belong inside the parentheses or outside of the parentheses? And I'm barely confident that I learned it belongs inside the parentheses. For sure. Yes. Yes. I got it right. Okay. Yay. So yeah. (laughs) For our American audience, that's that's where it goes. Good job.
Right. Um, yeah. So comma or period or whatever belongs inside. It still looks wrong to my eyes to start a new sentence, you know, with a capital letter after the parentheses. But unlike Sandra says, it's right. So it yeah. must be right. It <laughs> must be the way that it, that it is. But um, yeah, I feel I feel your pain on that. But I just want you to know, like, if if for nothing else, you have left, you have engraved your <laughs> comma placement on my heart. Yay. Yep. <laughs> I will never, time. never That's my goal. 